Gremlins died when exposed to the light. Yes. And her point was like, shame can only thrive in silence. Yep. As long as we're not talking about it, mm -hmm. that's where it lives. And so to get out of shame, we have to we have to speak it. And to someone or some people who are who have earned the right to hear our story. Yeah. Not just anyone. Yeah. Welcome to the Jealous Vegan a podcast about healthy eating, habit change, and the hurdles we all need help overcoming. I'm Jennifer Hunley, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, also known as The Voice. Today we are joined by April Cunningham, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, health and life coach, also known as The Influencer. Lisa Carter, founder of Kinetic Fitness, also known as The Balancer. In this episode, we take a hard look at the things that are stealing our joy, blocking our happiness, and preventing our positive habit changes from sticking. Yep, we are discussing shame. The Jealous Vegan Creative Team listened to The Power of Vulnerability by Dr. Brene Brown. So April, what made you choose this book? And for Lisa and I, we'll also talk about what made us want to listen to it. Uh, so it came to me from the coaching community. I was at, um, hanging out with some coaches and they kept saying, I kept hearing this book. Um, and it's actually not a new release, not something that released in 2017 or 18, actually. Um, it's a few years old, but um, it kept coming up and they kept recommending this book. And I'm like, and then I went to an in, uh, coaching intensive in April and I took, we did a vulnerability exercise and it changed my life. So um, I went ahead and took the recommendation. It was audible. It's not even really a book. It's uh, it's like listening to an audio conference, basically a two-day conference by Brene Brown, who is, I mean, hilarious. And I really like her style. Yeah, right? I mean, it's it's engaging. She's funny. She's authentic. She's she shows who she really is with, you know, with fun and with humor and with realness um, and, and exposing her flaws and mm -hmm. how they show up um, for herself, for her family, for her work. Um, and it just really there were some very good points in it, too. So as I start to listen to it, I'm just like, oh, that's me or oh, that's my friend or oh, I know this. And yeah, somebody else is, does that, too, or thinks like that also. Um, so many good resonant pieces. That that's when I said team, we need to listen to this book together so we can talk about it. Yeah, I do agree. It was a great book. Um, I really, sometimes audiobooks, like, I was like an audiobook, but it's really, like you said, it's really not a book. It's like a listening to a conference. It's really engaging. I laughed a lot. I cried a little bit. Um, there were some real relatable pieces in there. So, I mean, I really enjoyed the book um, definitely got some nuggets out of there, and I even referred it to like just a few of my my other friends outside of the TJV team um, who also enjoyed the book. So it was a really good um, find. Yeah, absolutely. I remember you sent me I think a couple of her TED talks that were on YouTube, and after watching those and hearing her experience with being confronted with vulnerability because of the research she was doing. I was intrigued to understand more about what that really meant because like most people, I equate vulnerability with weakness. And so it's not, never 
something that I would consider being powerful. So I was like, that's such an oxymoron, the power of vulnerability. What does that even mean? Um, but, you know, within five minutes probably of listening, I was, I was pretty hooked. And then we were texting nuggets back and forth. And I felt like I needed to keep reading so that I could get or keep listening so I could get to the points that other people were already enjoying. Yeah. So it was really good. It's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, as we talk, as I wanted us to talk about it as a team um, and for our audience because um, vulnerability, um, she mentions that you can't access empathy without vulnerability. And we talked in a previous episode about how shaming, it can be, food shaming can be a real thing on both sides, mm-hmm. right? And to get in touch with our empathy and to get in touch with the fact that somebody else may have needs um, that don't need to threaten our needs, um, we have to know what vulnerability is and address it from this perspective of, is it, is it a weakness? Um, she presents compelling evidence that it's actually a power. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and it has an effect on food. Um, and I will say also, just one more thing to add, is that we had a, an audience member reach out and say, I, I asked her, she was saying how she was enjoying the podcast, and she said, I would like to talk about shame because with the health issue she had, she felt shame acknowledging and saying that she had this, this um, situation, um, very serious health condition. Um, and I thought, yeah, we need to talk about that. Um, we'd already kind of planned it, but it was reinforced that we should talk about it because where does shame show up for everyone, for humans, and that keeps us from doing the thing that we need to do or getting the support that we need to get um, and helping others to have that same, um, to know that they're loved and know that they belong, um, even if they are air quote different. Yeah. So um, let's not forget to come back to this idea of shame as it relates to health issues. Um, But let's go with belonging because you just mentioned that. So I'm going to read through some of the the nuggets that the team pulled from the audio book. The first is true belonging only happens when we present our authentic and perfect selves to the world. Our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. The next nugget is comparison is the thief of happiness. Mm. A great day can be changed in seconds once we put our lives up against someone else's. I think that happens a lot when it comes to enjoying food. Mm-hmm. The next one is, if how-to worked, we wouldn't be the most obese, medicated, and in debt adults in history. And that's to say how-to, like how-to guides, yes. how to lose weight in you know 30 days, how to yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. transition. There aren't tips and tricks that will actually help. The next is to avoid depression, addiction, suicide, etc. Focus on the behavior, which is really guilt, and not ourselves, which becomes shame. Which, before you move on, that's an important distinction because I kind of made guilt and shame rather synonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she talks about it in the the piece, it becomes very clear that guilt. We have a bad day. We, we we say something we shouldn't say. Guilt is, I shouldn't have said that. That wasn't the right thing to say. Right. Shame, I'm a bad person because I said. I always say the wrong thing. And superlatives, right, yeah. Always are almost always an, an indicator that there's 
There's shame. a story there and there's shame. But but shame means that the it, it's a holistic I am bad mm-hmm. versus the thing I did was bad. Right. And she talks about how guilt is guilt is okay. Guilt makes us do something differently. Shame causes all kinds of other problems. And then finally, with reference to authenticity, which I think we talked we touched on in our biology versus culture wars episode. But the, the definition of authenticity is the daily practice of letting go of who we think we are supposed to be and embracing who we actually are. We are all made of strength and struggle. And I think that's important for us to recognize because I think too often we feel like we have to be one or the other. And especially when it comes to whatever our nutritional desires are, we feel like we have to be part of this group and that will exclude us from all the other groups. Um, as opposed to saying, I'm going to choose the things that work for me, work for my biology, work for my life, um, and combine those into a lifestyle that makes sense for me. Which is one of the reasons we say we're, we're not vegans, because vegans is you know, it's restrictive, it's, it's, a, it's a box. Mm-hmm. And we believe that you should eat properly for your biology and your ethics and your environmental concern, whatever makes sense for you. But you don't need a label in order to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I lost my thought. We'll come. I'm sure it'll come back. It'll come back. One thing I wanted to add to mm-hmm. to the list of things, and I thought this was so interesting, is that she said that shame are like um, two things that um, the shame triggers um, that we each carry, and they're different for everybody those shame triggers threaten our worthiness of belonging. And I hear that a lot mm-hmm. in the coaching part. I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. Um, I- I'm not good enough. I don't have enough. I'm not going to be enough. Imposter syndrome is I'm not enough. I'm not lovable. Um, I'm not, no one loves me. No one will ever love me. Um, that There's a worthiness argument that's attached to shame that I thought was very powerful. And that she said shame is like, shame triggers are like gremlins. You know how gremlins from the movie back yeah. in 1980? Don't get them wet. Ghostbusters. Don't get them wet. They multiply, but also don't expose them oh, wait, to no, the no, light. No. That's the wrong movie. What? Gremlins weren't in Ghostbusters. Oh, oh you said no. Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even hear that. No. <laughs> Good film. Wait. <laughs> um, My bad. <laughs> gremlins died when exposed to the light. Yes. Yeah. And her point was like, shame can only thrive in silence. Yep. As long as we're not talking about it, mm-hmm. that's where it lives. And so to get out of shame, we have to we have to speak it. Mm-hmm. And to someone or some people who are who have earned the right to hear our story. Yeah. Not just anyone. Yeah. And you know, I think like with today's environment, with social media and all of these different outlets. People are constantly advertising the best parts of themselves, right? We don't ever get to see somebody, somebody's flaws, somebody's journey, somebody's less than pleasant moments. Like you said, those things are reserved for private audience, um, which I think only adds to different parts of shame, feeling like you don't measure up Mm -hmm. to someone else when in fact you're not even seeing the whole picture of that person but I think to really step into 
we're talking about authenticity and owning shame to do that in today's society where we are taught that shame is um weakness is a weakness vulnerability is a weakness flaws are a weakness everybody on instagram is like you know fake everything photoshop to be perfect when like if you saw them in real life you're like uh (laughs) that's not your profile picture (laughs) (laughs) you know and so i do think that it, it is that's what really stood out to me from the book is it really does take bravery to that's a word bravery but um to step out and be vulnerable and be authentic in a world that is increasingly (laughs) i don't even know what the word is for it but harsh judgmental inauthentic troll yeah i mean there's a lot of posturing yeah that happens like i want to show you my best side Mm. but but um and that's where the vulnerability comes from, right? The, the willingness to say, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what the right path is. Mm-hmm. I am just like every other human. I'm trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I can show you what when I'm winning, but I can also show you mm-hmm. when I fail or when I need to adapt. And showing both sides, it's hard to show that, that air quote, other side, um, and and I you know it's it's life altering though when you do to step into that conquering that fear, um, it, it changes you. But but nobody wants to do it. Yeah. yeah, I think about that a lot with my social media posts, um, because you know what we see typically are these carefully crafted and curated moments that are airbrushed and filtered to the point where they look just perfect, and you know, that becomes the ideal of what life is quote unquote supposed to be, which he talks about, that's not authentic. And so sometimes I think about, you know, you of course you're happy to share the things that go well for you in life or when you're on a great trip or you're having an enjoyable time. But I've often said like, I should dig out like that time that I fell and sprained my ankle <laughs> doing yard work, you know, or just like show the, the real side of life, you know? So I think I'm going to start my own like failure Fridays and <laughs> just like start posting things on Fridays that are um, not so great moments because I do feel like people need to know, you know, like we're all in this together and everybody has struggles and there's nothing to be really ashamed of um, because your life is not, you know, an Instagram influencer. Right. I read this book recently and it wasn't this particular book and I can't remember the name of it right now, but one of the points that the author made was, you know, the slippery slope of, in the book, she talks about uh, owning authority over something like saying, you know, I have experience in this area. It's like, once you do that, you feel the pressure to always be the expert. Um, you don't allow yourself to say, yes, I've done it great a hundred times or a thousand times, but I don't always get it right. It's like, once you say that you got it right, it's like, you feel like you have to like, every time I'm, I'm perfect at everything. Um, and that's what I liked about this book is she completely goes against that is you can do something right a hundred times and then you can totally mess it up and that's okay. Um, and it's happened to the best of us. And it will continue to happen because not a single one of us are perfect. And so, you know, calling out that and owning it, but not living in it. Yeah. Um, I think was another good thing that I got from the book. Like, you don't have to live in that. Yeah, I agree. So let's talk about shame 
itself. Uh, what does shame mean to you? And why do you think it matters in the context of what we eat? Or maybe, in my case, how often we exercise? Mm. Um, I think that shame is a, a negative, a debilitating emotion um, that arises from us feeling like we are not worthy or we're not enough. She talks about this, but I, I mm -hmm. absolutely resonated with me that um, when we feel shame, we want to slink into a corner. You can feel that in your body. You just want to oh, slink into terrible. a corner and become invisible um, when, in fact, every human being, by virtue of being here, deserves the right to stand in their own and to show up and to be seen. Um, and, and it's 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 hard um, when you have a perceived failure. Um, what I thought was interesting about um, in the the piece also is that she talks about how shame the 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 physical symptoms of shame are similar to the symptoms of trauma. I think shame is a trauma. It is. Yeah. Because you know maybe it wasn't like you know I was in this car accident, so now every time I get in a car, I'm like you know freaking out. But if, if you have some traumatic experience that creates shame in you, every time you're confronted with something similar, I think you're going to have the same visceral response to it. Like your cells remember, and they will be like, ah, what's happening? And when you really think about shame for what it is, there was one example that she gave that really stood out to me, and, and she was talking about... Um, I can't remember the percentage that she said, but a percentage of adults uh, are not creative mm -hmm. and their lack of creativity comes from a shame trigger from when they were a child. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that? Of, that was so deep. Yes. Of like drawing something in a classroom and the teacher, you know, holds it up and she's like, isn't this the worst like cat <laughs> you've ever seen? You guys see like Johnny's cat. They're like, right. whoa, you know, and what that really does to a person. So when you're talking about shame, a lot, it, it is a traumatic event that happens and now your body is responding to that trauma every time you have to feel that. And for me, I feel like when I think of shame, I, it automatically makes me want to shrink in, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the same way that you would protect yourself from, you know, uh, someone who's maybe attacking you. Yeah. Like cover um, your face, hide cover your head, your face, hide your head, drop your shoulders, protect what's important. Yep. And that's the stance that comes visually to mind when you talk about shame, which if you're being attacked, that's a traumatic event. Your body's going to see that as, as trauma. So psychologically, I think, um, when you talk about muscle memory and that kind of thing, it's very true that every time you feel shame, you do have that, that sort of reaction there. And so you do have the memory of, of a traumatic event that that has happened yeah and I, I think that um one thing that was key and i can't remember if she said it specifically or if I, it was something that i inferred but shame comes from judgment we were judged um to your point Lila, your, use your analogy johnny that's the worst cat i have ever seen don't ever go into art yeah and then what does Johnny do? Ah, okay, I, I'm not really an artist. I should I should study math. Maybe, Johnny, your cat's the most beautiful one in terms of what you're going to bring some new art to the world that no yeah. one's ever seen. But because he's so young and impressionable and mm -hmm. that, that judgment is so strongly imprinted, mm -hmm. now Johnny doesn't draw. Mm -hmm. um, and 
it, it, it's that way with food to bring to correlate it to food. It's like for myself personally, I absolutely have a shame trigger. Had I, I've worked through it um, with food and being the only person who can't eat what everybody else is eating at a particular gathering or at a dinner table. And there's always invariably, invariably, there's always some conversation like, what, what, what do you, so what are you going to eat? So no, so you don't eat meat, huh? Oh, okay, you're vegan. Well, well, I mean, well, does that mean you don't eat cheese? And it is a thing. It becomes a spotlight that I don't yeah. want. And it, 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 sometimes it's not always judgment, but it's perceived that way because, yeah, we have emotional memory from that judgment that I had when I was, you know, five or whatever. It absolutely triggers us. And I, I, it, it plays in our in food. It plays in sickness. Nobody wants to... There, there's certain shame triggers around being sick that make you weak um, or somehow you're the one that got... The sickness and nobody else in your family's ever had this. Right. So there's shame with that. What's wrong with me? Again, that shame is holistic perspective of what's wrong with me versus like what's wrong with the environment. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's very personal. Like I did something or I failed to do something to prevent this from happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I feel like my shame um, or the thing I was thinking about in reference to shame is very closely aligned to food. And that's about being overweight. Um, to me, that's already a pretty shameful disposition. It pretty much says to the world, I have no self-control. <laughs> and I realize it's not actually that simple. Uh, in my case, I had a total hysterectomy about 10 years ago. But at, on the advice of my physician at the time, I didn't have any hormone replacement therapy. And so I was fairly loco for about three <laughs> years. Wait, did she say was? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I mean, we're all look crazy. <laughs> right, right. I, another shame trigger, right? Like, I know someone who has a mental disorder who just today told me, again, I don't need any medicine. There's nothing wrong with me. And, and that's the whole thing is, like, like, no, nothing's wrong with you, but this will help you live a better life. So why don't you just accept that and take the medicine? But anyway, it's another story for a different day. Nothing's wrong, but something ain't right. Something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or as my friend Joyce says, I don't mean no harm, but I mean no good. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, like, so so I'm a person who has been self-directed in my secular career for, I don't know, I won't say how old I am, but for a long time now. So I've worked from home. No, I didn't have to punch a clock. Nobody was asking me where I was or when I started working or when I stopped working. And so I've just always had this like drive and ambition and like very, again, self-directed um, and, and relatively successful in that way. But after my surgery and then not having hormones for a while, I like struggled to just wake up and get out of the bed every day, every day for a long time. And in about 18 months time, I probably put on about 60 pounds. Um, not that I've ever been like small, but you know, I was at a point where I was doing okay. Like I felt okay about myself. And, you know, I, you know, I go through this experience where my insides have changed. I'm still relatively young at the time. I, I'm like, I can't have kids and I wasn't married. And now my brain and my body are both fighting against me. And so uh, in my case, shame felt like the right word. And, and going back to the the listener or subscriber who said, hey, this is something that I deal with because it's like 
well, couldn't you have taken better care of yourself? And then this wouldn't have been an issue for you. And now you've got this other problem and you know, no one knows like, hey, I'm only fat because I barely wanna live and now I'm just eating for comfort or my body is just fighting against me and no matter what I do, the hormones won't allow me to realize the benefits of the action I'm taking, but whatever the case, it's just, it's so demoralizing. And yes, it's, it, and it's it would sad. show up in food. It would show up at the dinner table, right? You just said it. You just said, it's yeah. like, whatever, all the stuff that's happening, regardless of what you ate, if you ate like a salad all day, Doesn't matter. Um, if, if you're not having pleasure from food and you're feeling ashamed of, you know, being different and this, this, this health scare. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to, you might be inclined to eat the more fries. But honestly, and also I, I'll say this from my health coaching practice, is that when the body is at war, when we're at war with our body, doesn't matter what we eat. That's a stress response. Mm -hmm. The body turns off digestion when we are stressed. And mm -hmm. if we are at war with our body, the, it doesn't matter what we eat. We are going to be unhealthy and not digest our food as well. That may show up in weight gain. It may show up in weight loss. Mm -hmm. It may show up in a host of other things, insomnia, and acne. inability to function, function, acne, right? Stress response is a, a, a chronic self-response like shame can produce, trauma, mm -hmm. is bad for business, biological function. Yep. It's just bad for business. Okay. Let's pause the discussion right here and give everyone an opportunity to digest some of those nuggets. Please join us next week where we'll talk more about our individual shame triggers and what we're doing to confront them. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Please connect with us on social media at thejealousvegan.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please go to thejealousvegan.com and sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content in support of your plant-based journey. And remember, don't let perfection be the enemy of progress.